Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 340, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I've brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. Today, we have another special guest that joins the pod, Jared Getz. Before age 30, Jared had already become a self-made millionaire thanks to his remarkable success as an online entrepreneur. He is the founder and CEO of Zendrop, an e-commerce marketplace that connects reliable suppliers with online merchants and drop shipping stores. The platform has 800,000 plus merchants, 1 million plus products to choose from, and they've generated millions of dollars in sales since launching in 2019. Before founding Zendrop, Jared established a Shopify store that went from zero to $2 million in sales in just 60 days. He's been featured in Forbes, CNBC, Entrepreneur, and other major publications for his innovative and strategic approach to e-commerce. Recently, Jared shifted focus from building e-commerce empires to building inner empires. He's passionate about helping new and aspiring entrepreneurs overcome a limiting mindset that stands in the way of their success and guiding individuals to attain inner peace no matter where they are in life. Many people think they need to attain material wealth before they can enjoy life and feel good, but Jared believes the opposite is true. Jared and I dive into not allowing external stimuli to disturb our internal peace, linear creation versus multidimensional creation, focusing on who we need to be rather than what we need to do, Jared's walking formula, exploring new habits to make our inner world our sanctuary, the significance of early victories in building a foundation for lasting discipline, the importance of recovering from setbacks in maintaining healthy habits, short-term pleasure versus long-term joy, establishing frameworks as a means to streamline decision-making and enhance efficiency, and finally, Jared unveils his biohacking lab nestled discreetly within a concealed room of his house. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. 
Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. When you hear things or listen to things or read things, you, you know, you can comprehend them, but experiencing them is a thousand times more potent because, you know, words are limiting and telling stories are limiting, but the experience is unlimited. So you just had the same experience as I did, which is really cool. And like, you know, a, a lot of people before my son was born were like, yeah, it's going to be the most magical moment of your life. Try to be present. And so we were, you know, after he was born, trying to just savor the moment, not be distracted, be in it, make it last as long as possible. And now we're almost a month later and it feels like it was just like a couple of days ago. So time is absolutely flying no matter how much you want to stay in it. And it's also cool because, you know, looking back at the memories where it was really stressful and fearful, when you tell a story, it's kind of a, a kind of a fun story to tell, but when you were in it, it's like, it's a whole different ball game. So it's, it's cool that you just went through the same thing. Really cool. We received that similar advice, be present, enjoy every moment. And I've learned this outside of, of being a, a first time parent, a father, there is this push for us nowadays to be present, but in the journey or the goal of trying to be present, we end up not being present because we're so hard on ourselves about being present and absorbing every single second of that moment that we do quite the opposite. And it's this interesting catch 22. And we have experienced that, you know, being parents too as well, because some days are certainly harder than others. You know, for us, patience has been so critical and monumental. And you said this at the beginning, Jared, that it sounds like you and your wife are very regimented people and have a schedule and stick to habits. We're the same way. And when you become a parent, probably preaching to the choir, it shifts the dynamics to becoming to going from offense to playing defense. And that can be exhausting because it feels like you're chasing a ball that's rolling down the hill and that ball has a little more speed than you do. And it's just like right at the tips of your fingertips. And that can become heavy and challenging at times. So it's a completely different shift. Yeah, it could get pretty uncomfortable. I mean, I, are you familiar with Michael Singer's books at all? Like Living Untethered is his newest book or The Untethered Soul? Or, no. Um, no. It's, it's pretty relevant right now because, you know, a lot of the things that he speaks about and, you know, just really the goal of spirituality is to not allow the external stimuli to disturb your internal peace and not be pulled into your thoughts and to your experiences. And, you know, all of life is suffering when you're getting bombarded with these things. So having a newborn baby and going through this is a great practice of throughout the day, what I've been doing is just anytime I become aware of the fact that I have a lot of experience and thoughts and, and things kind of flooding my inner peace, I just try to bring my awareness back to the moment and just wake myself up. Like, okay, I'm right here right now and everything's perfect in the moment. But then a few seconds later, a few minutes later, now you're thinking about okay, when are we going to put him to sleep? Or am I going to get sleep tonight? Or, oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. And I have such a busy day. And now you're suffering from all these thoughts. But in reality, if you can just bring yourself back to the moment. Everything's perfect in the moment. So it's a really good spiritual growth opportunity having a newborn 
to be able to bring yourself back as often as possible and practice that. For me, it's been a it's been a, a cool exercise. That's interesting. We have found both my wife and I just leveraging breathing exercises has been super helpful to break any anxiety or just break some of those that quick downhill momentum, especially because for some people, a baby crying can be extremely overstimulating, especially if you have a colicky baby. We are very grateful and lucky and privileged that we do not. But I have heard some parents that it's just constant, constant and, and trying to break from that environment. But it's also amazing to see the power of the relationship and what having a remarkable partner can do. I think Scott Galloway said it best. He said, you know, I tell my kids and my students that a lot of people think it's finding the right career in the right market that has an upward trajectory, right? That is growing AI, for example, right, right now. And a lot of people think that is the most important thing in life, but the most important thing in life is who you choose as your spouse, as your partner, because when times are low, they make them a lot better. And when times go high, they make them go a lot higher. And it is so important. And it's unfortunate because in society today, right, divorce is still excruciatingly very high. And I, I think we don't put enough weight and emphasis and importance on finding the right spouse. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a firm believer in, I guess you can call it like multi-dimensional creation. Like when you're talking about getting yourself in the right field or, you know, AI or in the, you know, setting yourself up for your career, that's kind of like linear creation. You're like, I have to start this company and then I have to do this next thing. And then I have to do this next thing. And you know, we live in a universe of unlimited possibilities. So things things never really go the way you expect them to. But if you're thinking from a place of multi-dimensional creation, what you're focused on is how do you feel and how you feel creates the universe around you. So the opportunities come to you if you feel abundance or if you feel love, you're going to have more love in your life. So if you have what like what you're saying, if you have the right spouse, which is extremely important, you'll feel better. Therefore, you'll create the life that you want to create without having to necessarily plan it. So I think the importance of it, and it's also, you know, in today's society, it's more and more challenging to have a committed relationship because of all the external stimuli that's out there, the social media, the, the distractions, the, you know, oh my God, if only I lived that life, I would finally be happy. And, you know, constantly being you know, sucked into social media where you're getting these dopamine hits, it's really easy to think that the life you have is not the life you want. But when you can, you know, practice spirituality, meditation, breathing exercises, getting up early, presence, um, connecting with God and spirit, and you realize that that inner peace is everything, then you can create from that place. And it just goes to show it's all, all the more reason why the way you set up your life at home is more important than, you know, setting up your career for the right path. And it's actually, for me, it's, it's, my career has grown tremendously in the last kind of five years while I've been on the spiritual path. And it's not because I've been working, you know, 18 hours a day and I've been grinding harder and I've been smarter. It's actually the opposite. It's because I've had more of a balanced life. I've implemented habits and disciplines that make me feel good, that build my confidence. And I don't worry so much about what do I need to do. I focus way more on who do I need to be. And I know that in that space, the things I need to do will come to me from the universe and I'll know what to do. And I've had that experience so many times now that, yeah, it's something I'm really passionate about sharing. Yeah. 
I always ask myself a question, what's the experience I want out of this? Not so much the outcome, right, of oh, reaching this certain milestone or reaching this certain dollar figure because we have a habit of chasing this, what we think is a finish line, when in reality, life is to enjoy the journey, not run after something and get to this fantasy finish line that we always are kind of shown, right, on social media, to your point. What are some habits or practices that you've put in place over the years to really shift the dynamic between professional life, personal life, and that balance between both worlds of yours? Yeah, I will say, first of all, it's a lot easier said than done, you know, focusing on the intention rather than the outcome. Um, I was fortunate early on in my career to have made some financial achievements that allowed me to, you know, travel and, you know, buy the, the cars and have those experiences only to realize that they brought short-term, short-term pleasure and not long-term joy. So I was able to have that experience earlier on. A lot of people haven't had that experience yet, so they hear people talking about it. But in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, that, that makes sense, but I still want to go get those things, I, you know, and that's what I need to do. So I was fortunate to have that experience, which really propelled me into the journey of building the habits and the disciplines and the routines to create the inner world that then manifests the outer world. So for me, there's a, a number of things. You know, I've tried pretty much every kind of morning routine you can imagine, all the biohacking devices. I have a biohacking room here in my house, meditation. You know, I've done plant medicine journeys. I've been to meditation retreats, read hundreds of books on this stuff. But the things that really work for me are I have a, a walking formula that has been my favorite habit. I have a lot of habits, but I'll tell you my favorite one. So every morning I go on, it's approximately a 45 minute walk and I have music that goes along with the walk and I break the walk up into five parts. And the first part is opening your heart. So for the first five or 10 minutes or so, I'll go on the walk and I'll bring my awareness down to my heart. I'll think about something that triggers the emotion of love, like my family or my dogs or, you know, the situation that I'm in, you know, things to be grateful for. The second part of the walk is feeling your power and your strength. So the music changes and I kind of, I'm walking more intentionally where I'm feeling my body and I'm feeling strong and I'm kind of, you know, just feeling my energy rise up. Uh, the third part of the walk is a moment of just totally letting go and being present. So, you know, the music kind of calms down. I'm just de-stressing, I'm noticing the things around me and I'm just in the moment, you know, for about five to 10 minutes. Fourth part of the walk is feeling connected to God or spirit or whatever you believe in. You know, you just feel connected to a higher power. You start realizing yourself more. And the cool thing is the more you do it, the more the realization takes place and the deeper you can go. And then the last part of the walk, the fifth part is a celebration where I'm like, you did this for yourself. You're going to have a great day today. You're going to, you know, everything you just did right now is going to create that future for you. And my goal of the celebration is to feel so good that I get some goosebumps. And by the end of that walk, I've activated all the, the energetic channels in my, in my being. And I've kind of turned on all the switches. And I've, I feel like I've created the inner world that I need for the day. So we could talk about habits all day, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with efficiencies. And how do you get the most out of doing the least amount of effort. And that 45 minute walk broken into those five parts for me has been probably the, you know, the most efficient and my favorite habit. 
I love I love that. I've never heard of that. So that is super creative. And how how did you come up with that? Right. You you opened up by saying I I've done a lot of the things. I got the car. I cars. I went on to retreats. I and a lot of people need to experience rather than be told. Right. Those are way more memorable and impactful. But first of all, what was the motivation to go out and experiment? And then number two, and it's probably a byproduct. Is that how you came up with this walking formula? Yeah. So that walking formula is something that I came up with. So you wouldn't have heard of it somewhere else, but it's, it's a, it's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of pieces of things I've learned in other places. Um, I did have an experience a bit earlier on in life. I was probably 26, 27, where it really opened my eyes to all the stuff we're talking about right now. I was at personal development event. It was kind of when I was just diving into this world and we did a an exercise where it was it was like a meditation where you imagine yourself as someone who someone else who really loves you and cares about you and you're you're this person in my in my mind I was my aunt because she cares about me and wants the best for me and you're walking into your future life like you're walking up to your future house you're looking in the driveway you're looking at your future cars you're admiring the situation you're walking into the home you're admiring the beauty of the home you walk upstairs, you walk into the bedroom, you see the pictures of your family on the wall, you're admiring this family. And then you walk into the bathroom and then you you look at the mirror and the whole time it was you, which was like a huge shift when you're in that meditation because for the first time for me, I like really truly loved my future self because I wasn't coming through my own self-sabotaging perspective. And so what happened was I did that and I, I felt like really intense energy behind the vision that I had. So at the time I was, you know, I was just kind of getting started in e-commerce and my business was doing all right. You know, I had a drop shipping store. I was making a few hundred dollars a day. It was like, you know, it was cool. The day after that event, we were moving from Los Angeles to Florida. So I had a five day drive and I went on the drive and I was driving and listening to music and all these ideas were just kind of coming, downloading into my head. And I was like calling someone who was working for me. Hey, let's try this. Or, and then I got another idea. Oh, let me try that. So long story short, over that five day drive, my store scaled from maybe doing like $1,000 a day in revenue to 2000 to 7000 to 15000 to 35000 The last day we did $50,000 in, in sales at about 50% profit margin. And that was the mo- by far the most money I'd ever made in my life, right? So, so that all happened in five days. And then about two weeks later, I was making a bunch of cash and or maybe it was about a month later. And I had to drop my then girlfriend, now wife off to uh, do someone's hair. And I was waiting. I had about an hour, hour and a half to wait. And I was, you know, I had all this new cash. So I was like looking on cars.com. And I ended up finding this, uh, this gray Lamborghini that was like five minutes away from me. I was like, well, let me go take a look at it. Bought it on the spot in cash. And then about two weeks later, I realized that that car was the exact same car from that vision when I was walking up to my future life. So the powerful emotion that I put behind that vision physically manifested this car into my life. And when, when I realized it, I was like, oh my God, there's a lot more to our creation and our power than we know. So that kind of like set me up. Okay. I got to learn more. So from there, you know, I started going to meditation retreat. I've done three plant medicine journeys. Now I have my fourth one coming up in a couple of months and I've just been on the path of exploration testing habits, you know, journaling. And I do this thing on uh, at the end of the day where I basically open up my notebook and I write everything I did for the day. 
I try to recall everything I did and any good behaviors I'll circle in green. I have like a four colored pen and any bad behaviors I'll circle in red. And you know, the next day I'll just try to be better. But anyway, all this stuff kind of motivated me to figure out what habits can I do to make my inner world my sanctuary, knowing that if my inner world is my sanctuary, I don't need to do the work to create. The creation will just happen. So that experience is what motivated me to kind of go down the path of learning more. And then from there, you know, Joe Dispenza meditation retreats, I've been to several of those, you know, the plant medicine journeys have been really eye-opening in many ways. I mean, that's a, that's a rabbit hole that I could talk about for hours, but yeah, I think, you know, just trying to answer your questions efficiently, but yeah, that was kind of the path for me. No, I, I love it. So you've severely enhanced or refined your, I call it our inner factory, right? Our byproduct of that factory can be anything. Most people, it's negative thoughts, it's negative actions, it's playing the victim, and you've completely refined your factory so that your inner environment, your temple, your sanctuary is producing this byproduct of positivity, of income, of a growth mindset, of all of these different things because of this internal working that you've been working on for, sounds like quite some time now at this point. Yeah, and it's like, you know, if I don't stick to my habits, the inner factory, as you call it, changes pretty rapidly. Like if I fall off my routines and habits, I start to notice my inner world changes. So that's where, you know, discipline comes into play. That's where, you know, realizing that there's many parts of us, you know, there's the part of us before bed that's super motivated to get up the next morning and go for a run. But then there's the part of us that wakes up in the morning and every ounce of energy in our mind tries to convince us not to. And that's like your first battle of the day. And if you don't win those battles early on, you lose all the battles. So for me, if I could win my first battles, the next ones get easier. So if I can get up and, and meditate, go for a run, go for a walk like that, then throughout the rest of the day, when, when my mind is like, oh, you should open Instagram and scroll. Well, I have a lot more power to recognize and win that battle. Instead, let me open a book or read or go for a walk or something. I know what's good for me. So, and then through the discipline, your subconscious mind, the, the part of you that's, you know, consistently judging everything about you starts to realize that you are, you are the person that deserves to win. It's like, if you say you're going to get up and go for a run every day for a week and you do three days and then the last four days you fall off your subconscious mind, you know, when the next business opportunity comes your way, it's going to say, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if you deserve to be able to do that. I don't know if you're capable because you couldn't even do the runs. But, you know, you go seven days in a row, like you said, your subconscious mind's like, hell yeah, we're, we're going to go do that thing because, and that's how you build self-confidence. And the self-confidence allows you to see more opportunities, brings more, you know, creative thoughts into your mind. And you kind of just, you let go, right? It's like, I'm not attached to what happens. I'm, I'm attached to the to the intention of keeping the discipline and the routines and having that knowing that in doing so, the life will unfold the way it's supposed to. That's the most powerful lesson you could learn through all this stuff, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's this great compound effect. There's a, one of my, I actually did a, a summary episode on this. One of my favorite books, Atomic Habits by James Clear, probably the best habit book anyone could read. Extremely popular at now at this point, but he talks about that a, a lot, right? It's these small habits over time that have substantial power long-term to create consistency and discipline is something that I think is 
we were to boil everything down, I think discipline is the most important thing because we can give bursts of energy every single day, but if it's inconsistent, that compound effect doesn't happen and our foundation never gets built. And we're relatively in the same spot over the course of a year, five years, 10 years. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like today, it's way harder to have discipline than it was 20 years ago, than it was 50 years ago. If you think about some of the greatest achievers in the world, you know, the uh, Edison's, the Albert Einstein's, the people who lived 100 years ago, 50 years ago, before we had so many distractions, there wasn't much for them to do, right? They couldn't just get up and like start scrolling on their phone and get sucked into a YouTube hole. They, they were bored, right? And they had to learn to come to peace with the boredom and instead of being bored, they would direct their energy to working on something or doing something that they wanted to do. In today's day and age, you can get consistent dopamine hits right at your fingertips. You know, a lot of young men, you know, they're they're on Instagram and, and they'll they'll see pictures of attractive women and it'll trigger them to go you know watch pornography or they, they're getting even more dopamine hits there than they can get anywhere in their real life. And it's like, well, why go do anything else, especially if they don't know the compounding power of discipline? In their heads, it's like, well, I might as well just do this because it's easy, it's fun. And then they start losing those battles, right? So then when the opportunity to eat healthy or, you know, they go out to, to a restaurant, should I get the fried chicken or should I get the, you know, the fish and vegetables? Well, I already lost all these other battles. I might as well just get the, the fried chicken, right? It's like, so today's day and age, it's harder than ever to be disciplined. And also not enough people, or at least from my experience, not enough people are, are talking about this stuff and being examples of what that kind of next generation needs to know. So I think, it, you know, these conversations are really powerful, you know, and, and other, you know, any, any major achievers that I know, anyone that's, that's done truly great things, they have discipline and it's, it's just a part of who they are. So yeah, I think discipline is, you know, by far, it's the, the base of everything else we're talking about. Science says our ability to learn new languages peaks when we're children. But since you can't go back to being six years old, we've got the next best thing, Babbel. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Recently, I've been learning to speak Portuguese with Babbel, and you can too. This summer, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Babbel's courses have helped me learn real-life conversation skills, which is something near and dear to my heart, considering my grandmother is Portuguese. It's enabled me to have a conversation with her in her native language. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. For instance, one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. 
get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash motivated mind. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash motivated mind. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash motivated mind. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's so easy with all the stimulation, you know, our computer, our cell phones, whatever it may be, cluttered studio office, whatever. The best thing I think anybody can do is remove the distractions. If you are someone that has, it's easy for you to slip and grab those things or attach to those things. Closing tabs, tab. I mean, there's so many Chrome extensions that you can use, right, too, as well. There, I love technology, but it's a double-edged sword if not leveraged properly. And because it is so easy and it's not the platform's fault or the technology's fault, human behavior has always been human behavior. It's now just becoming more obvious because of the type of world that we live in. And so I know actually James Clear talks about this, but removing the temptations is the best thing that you can do and giving yourself a greater reward for actually following through on those things. One thing that I do is as I've defined who my future self is and what I want for my future self, anytime I'm in the moment in that why in the road and I'm about to, I have a 50-50 shot at this. I can either pick the thing that I want to do. Let's say it's doing a gratitude journal at the end of the day or I do monthly reflections and I do quarterly personal reviews. Let's just say in that moment, I had a split second hesitation to not do that thing, not follow through on that habit. I always tell myself, would the future me be happy with the past, Scott? And does the past me and who I am present today deserve what I'm about to do or not do? And it really helps to put things in perspective because you're letting your future self down and you're owed more than that. Because the chances of you even being any of us, being a goddamn human being, are exponentially crazy to comprehend and understand. We can't even understand the difference between a million and a billion, let alone being a human being. And so I think for me, that perspective shift in the moment where there's that 50-50 shot, that why in the road, helps to really ensure that I pick the right lane. Yeah. And the more you pick the right lane, the more you're ingraining those neurosynapses to pick them in the future. And I think that's a really good mental tool. Another really good mental tool to pick the right decisions or realizing that we are human, we won't always make the right decisions, no matter how perfect we think we are, but realizing that the rate at which you bounce back is just as important as sticking, because you won't always stick to everything you say you're gonna do, right? But it's really easy when you fall off to stay off. It's like, oh, I didn't do it, so I'll start again next week, or and then next week, oh, I'll start again on the first of the month. It's really easy to start convincing yourself when you're off. So one kind of mental model that I use is, Realizing like if I fall off and I bounce back right away, I'm kind of like, maybe I'm not at the exact level I was at, maybe I'm a little bit below, but I'm like right back on the path. But if I fall off and I don't bounce back, I'm starting lower and lower and lower. You know, next month, I'm like kind of back where I started from the, the beginning. So all that work was wasted. So the faster you bounce back, the more you conserve that kinetic energy that you built up through all the discipline in the past. And I think there's a moment of grace in there because like you said we are not going to have a hundred percent right shots on goal and you're a hundred percent right it's speed to correction right it's not the amount of times that you miss it's speed to correction because you still can experience that compound effect that we were talking about as long as you have speed of correction 
and I think we are so hard on ourselves when those splits come and we make quote unquote the wrong decision or not the ideal decision for ourselves that then we harness and hold on to that negativity and then it's like a weight pulling us down to the depths of the dark ocean if you will yeah exactly and also like in in bouncing back and sticking to those routines that's where the long-term joy comes from it's like another mental model to think about is do you want short-term pleasure or do you want long-term joy the answer is you want long-term joy that's what makes you feel good inside that's what makes you feel okay if you're alone without stimuli, you're, you feel good. So the opportunity comes up for short-term pleasure. You, you, you weigh it out. It's like, okay, I want to eat this dessert today. Well, let me think about that for a minute. If this is not in line with who I want to be, if I'm trying to lose weight or trying to you know have a better health, I'm going to get short-term pleasure out of this, but I'm going to feel bad about myself. My confidence is going to go down. My health will deteriorate. So recognizing the short-term pleasure versus long-term joy is another really good tool. And that's something that, you know, I use regularly, you know, just balancing that out. Yeah, I like that. I had uh, two guests on the podcast. One of them said, both of them said something that was brilliant, but one of them was a gentleman named Ryan Zofe. He owns a bunch of rehabilitation centers in Florida, actually. And he said this beautifully, but life always gives us worthy opponents. And I think when we realize that we're being met with an opportunity to rise to the occasion, there's really something freeing and lifting about that rather than bowing down and struggling to really find the courage. Because the more reps that we get, the more confidence we have to accelerate through or above those things. Yeah, I love that. Have you heard of 75 hard? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So for those people who don't know what that is, that that's an amazing framework to set yourself up to... 10x your ability to have discipline because you know frameworks are important right if you're if you leave yourself to decisions you're going to lose the decisions so like 75 hard is you know two 45 minute workouts a day a gallon of water 10 pages of a book no cheat meals no alcohol and a progress picture for 75 days in a row if you fail any of it you start from day one so i've done 75 hard three times now and there's been countless times where like at the end of the night i hadn't read my 10 pages yet and I was tired, but I had to read the 10 pages. So it wasn't a debate. It's like, you know, my wife's going to sleep. I'm like, hey, babe, I got to read real quick before we go to sleep. I just have to. It's a, it's a framework. It's not a decision. It's not like, oh, I should read. It's not, I have to. So, you know, and, and if you look at, if you zoom out 75 days, 10 pages a day, you're reading at least 750 pages, which is a massive amount of reading to do where if there's no decision to not do it, um, you're, you're getting way further ahead. So putting a framework in place where you, eliminate the decision-making process is really important. And, you know, you could like sit down on a Sunday and write out what you're going to do for the week and, and stick to it. But I love a challenge like 75 hard where, you know, you're doing this for a certain period of time because you're not going to fail. You're not going to lose those inner debates when you realize you got to start from day one the next day if you do fail. You know, Andy Frasilla created it. He's a friend of mine, huge fan of his work. It's helped me. I've passed 75 hard along to probably... 10 of my close friends and it's changed all of their lives, you know, in, in many ways. It's like people think it's a fitness challenge or, a, a, you know, you're, you're going to look better. Yeah, you will look better, but you'll make more money. You'll feel better. You'll be more confident. You'll be more magnetic and vibrant. Your vibration will rise all through just following this simple framework. So I think frameworks are, are really important when you're you know talking about building your discipline. But it's also this fun gamification side. Right. I, I always think 
Life is supposed to be enjoyed. We fly through it at breakneck speeds and then get to the end and then have an ungodly amount of regrets when every day is an opportunity to make something an experience, a game, a challenge, something fun that is so engaging that even during difficulty, there's lessons baked in there, there's excitement baked in there, there's opportunity, and you uncover something about your capabilities and the power of your mind, your heart, your soul, your stomach, your strength, all of those things, which boosts severely our confidence to go out and do something different. To your, what you said earlier, how many experiences and how much curiosity you've had throughout your life to say, I don't know what this is going to turn up, but I'm going to find out. And who knows what will come of it? I have an idea, but there's probably 80 things throwing out a, a random number out there that you find out through that journey, through that experience, through that gamification, through that curiosity and seeking things out. Yeah. And I think that's you know why habits are so important, because if you can do something every morning that allows you to remember, right? It's like, you can always like go back to that concept, but when you can feel it in, deep inside your being, remembering what you just said, that you know today's the opportunity to do this, that, or whatever, that's why I do my morning walks. Because at the end of the walk, I've re-realized all of these facts starting in the morning. But if you're not sticking to habits or routines, you, know, you get sucked into the day-to-day, -day, you wake up, you remember all your problems from the last day, all your stresses bubble back up, you're now distracted by all the negative thoughts again, like you were yesterday. And now you just kind of go, just go and you're, you're kind of flatlining through life. But if you can, in the first part of your day, do something, whether it's working out, whether it's that walk, whether it's a meditation, a breath work, sauna session, something where you're not distracted and you're putting yourself, you're giving yourself the opportunity to re-realize these things deep down inside. You feel them, you feel that all these lessons we're talking about, you, you feel them, then you're, it makes sense to stick to these types of things. So having a habit in place that gives you the opportunity to re-realize, I think is really key. Yeah. One thing I've, I've done is I've created an achievement doc that I digitally can access at any point. And so back, man, I don't remember what it was, probably 2015, 2014, I flipped my first house and I was doing it all myself because I gave myself the challenge. I want to do this all myself. I have the knowledge. Let's see if I can finish it. And man, did I hit my breaking point. I remember being up until one in the morning and running into the office every single day. There was no break. There was no balance in my life at that point. And I remember sanding down these, this flooring and it was super tough. Like the belt kept ripping off the sander and I'm sweating. It's like 95 degrees. It's an old house. It was built in the 1900s. And I just slid down my back on the wall, sat down on this hardwood floor. And I felt so defeated. I felt so exhausted. I felt like I just had no fuel in me. And I hated the feeling, that point that I was at. And Part of the challenge through that experience was to understand where my edge was because I had never at that point in my life thought that I had hit the edge. And I realized by navigating closer to that edge that 
I needed to appreciate more of what I had already accomplished. And so right there, I just grabbed a piece of paper and I started writing everything that had been completed on the house rather than just constantly looking at everything that needed to be completed, right? Like putting the new roof on or putting the base molding on the floor, all of those things, because that's all I was focusing on. So of course, I never took the opportunity to reflect on everything that I had done. And from that moment, not only in my life did things change substantially, but my attitude, my mindset, my happiness, my fulfillment, everything shifted. The dynamic completely shifted because of that exercise. And I've stuck with it. And every single month, it's part of my monthly review to just say, what happened this month? What worked really well? What didn't go so well? And why? Am I on track with my goals? And am I happy? And if not, what can I do to change these things in my life? And you know, I brought on a gentleman named Hazard Lee. He's a U.S. Air Force fighter pilot. And he walked me through after a mission. They'll spend three, four, five hours in debrief. And he said, that is the most important moment of any single mission. It's not during the mission. It's not necessarily before the mission. It's after the mission. And if even things didn't went well, there's opportunity for growth or greater efficiency. And we should each of us have a debrief moment, whether it be daily for five, 10 minutes, monthly, quarterly, whatever fits your life. Do you know Robin Sharma? Yes. The author of 5am club. Yes. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I, I spent some time with him in December uh, in Barcelona and, uh, did like a six day deep dive into habits and, and reflection and things like that. And, uh, you know, the habit I mentioned earlier, where at the end of the day, I go through and try to remember everything I did, right. The positive behaviors, negative behaviors, achievements, things I need to do, you know, that a lot of that was derived from what I learned from Robin. That's my form of reflection. And then I also on a Sunday, Sunday morning, I'll get up nice and early you know, stress-free day. I'll go make a cup of coffee. I'll come into the office and I'll sit, set aside at least two hours. And the first hour is just reflecting on the past week, going through my calendar, looking at the calls I went on, thinking about how I felt in the moment, thinking about, you know, the, the moments during the week where I felt the most stress and why, and how I could, you know, next time feel those emotions and be able to direct that energy into a different way. So the first part of the Sunday is a reflection. And the second part of the Sunday planning is, is the planning for the future week using the derivatives of the reflection for the planning. So I think, yeah, reflection is, is something that, you know, oftentimes goes overlooked. It's like people just assume if I think about it, I reflected on it, but get a pen out and start writing and watch how much more exponentially comes out of you when you start putting pen to paper and getting out of your mind. Because your mind is really good at you're reflecting and it shuts it down. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. I understand. That, I understand that. But start doing these kind of exercises. You go way deeper and you learn a lot more through it. Mm, yeah. I, I used to have a habit of writing the reflections either on my computer or on my phone, sitting on our back deck, beautiful, just surrounded by nature. We have six acres of just pure bliss here and writing on a piece of paper. I know so old school, it is the best some of the best stuff comes from that. There is no computer. There is no notifications popping up. And then all of a sudden you start shifting off and you split off in that direction. Piece of paper, old school is the the best way to dive deep. I want to real quick to close up here. You quickly said it at the beginning. You have a, a biohacking kind of lab. I noticed that you follow Brian. I can't remember remember his last name with the blueprint there. Johnson? Yeah, Brian Johnson. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about this biohacking lab. 
Yeah. So there's this room in our, in our house. Actually, I'm in my home office right now. And then over that way, there's like this little kind of door that's like three feet tall. And you go through this little tunnel where like the air conditioning and everything is, and you come out into this like kind of hidden attic. So I was like, I'm going to make this into like a meditation den. It's a big room. So I was like, I don't need all the space for meditation. I have a biocharger. Are you familiar with what that is? No, no. It's it's a device that you sit next to and it emits electricity through the air at different frequencies. Um, it also emits PEMF rays through the air as well. But like if you hold a light bulb when you're standing next to it in your hand, the light bulb will light up. Interesting. And the different frequencies can be used to you know destroy viruses, change your brain waves. You can turn on delta before sleep and it'll put your brain into a pattern of delta so your sleep is much deeper. So I have one of those. I got um, PEMF mat that you lay on for healing. I have a, a face light that is, you know, for your skin, it's for your eyes. It can wake you up in the morning or, or put you kind of to rest at night. You know, I have like all the foam rollers and stuff. It's kind of like my, my den that I go in where I just put on some music and do things that are good. And then I also have a sauna and a cold plunge that I use every day. And, you know, that that's my probably my my favorite thing to do to kind of decompress is have you ever tried a cold plunge before? I have tried a cold plunge, but I actually take a cold shower every day. I'm at what day am I at? 186. Oh wow. Um, of taking a cold shower every single morning. One of the most difficult things that I've done, but the next tier or the next goal of mine is to actually get a cold plunge at the house. Cause I know it's completely different than an actual cold shower in the morning. It is. And it isn't like when you get up in the morning and you turn on the cold shower you have the same exact thoughts before you get in as you do before you get in the cold plunge. The cold plunge is a bit more intense for sure. Uh, I try to go in for three minutes and then I'll do, I'll do three minutes in the cold plunge and then I'll do 15 minutes in the sauna, one minute in the cold plunge, 15 minutes in the sauna, one minute in the cold plunge back and forth. And what it does is it, it you get in the cold plunge and it makes all your blood kind of go into your body because your body's trying to stay warm. And then you go in the sauna and you let all your blood vessels out. And you so you're literally filtering your blood through your body. It's it's an amazing habit and routine. Highly recommended. There's a bunch of really cool cold plunges you can get now. Yeah, as more and more companies are making them. But yeah, with biohacking stuff, it's just anything I see, whether it's Brian Johnson, whether it's Ben Greenfield, whether it's any of these guys that are are trying and talking about devices, I'll always spend money on things that could improve the way I feel. And even if, you know, if 80% of them don't work, I'll, I'll try pretty much all of them. So yeah, I probably have like 20 different things here that I've just bought and tried, but anyway, the biocharger is a really cool one. And then the sauna and cold plunge are also really great. I love that. One of, one of my money rules is you never question spending money on health or good food or knowledge. So that never has a cap or budget on it. And if I want to try it, and I think that there's going to be some sort of ROI there for my health or my mental state, physical state, we're doing it. Jared, this has been awesome. Where can people follow you? I know you have a podcast and you also have a YouTube channel too as well. Pretty active. It looks like on Instagram, where can people follow you? Yeah, mostly on Instagram. I'm actually, I haven't really been much on social. I've been focused on building my business the last few years. But yeah, Instagram, uh, my podcast is is being revamped. We just created a studio here in, in uh, Texas. So we're going to be doing in, in person. So we're rebranding it. It was called Modern Masters. It'll be Zen hard. So you guys will be able to see it soon. We have about five interviews lined up in the next five weeks. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where you can find me. I love it, man. It was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure connecting. 
been a pleasure diving deep into your life and some of the habits and some of the things that you've done over the years to get where you are today. So I appreciate you being vulnerable, open, and uh, just sharing your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing what you do. It was great. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the journey to inner mastery with Jared Getz. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. The Motivated Mind is a legacy division.